0: Today's episode of A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, will have special guest and legendary broadcaster, voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy, and so much more. All that coming up on A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. So grab your ticket, get on board, because this train is going to take you on a journey. And that show is starting next. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with conductor Anthony Smith. I am honored this morning because today I have a special guest that will be joining me on my show, the one and only Mr. Mike Kennedy. Uh, He has been the voice of the Shockers for such a long, long time, Uh, highly regarded for his descriptive no-nonsense play-by-play accounts, famous for his call of Greg Berman's final pitch. I mean, he has such a long list of accomplishments. Couldn't do it all in one show. So we had to probably have him on for another show. But we're going to get Mike Kennedy on the line here shortly. So welcome to another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. As we get ready to get him on the line the one and only Mr. Mike Kennedy. Uh, Famous for his (whistles) call of the of Greg Brummett's final pitch. in the shockers victory with Texas in the 1989 College World Series and let's see if we have him on the line hello wonder. Okay. Technology can be your best friend or your worst enemy. <laughs> 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 so, welcome in everybody on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, and I'm going to call him my good friend, Mike Kennedy. He's been my friend since I was in school and didn't know he had a friend when I was in elementary. Because well, I, I, was-
1: would con- I would consider you a friend also, Anthony, so thank you.
0: And and I'm very humbled to have you on today. I was uh, in the prelims of my show. I was letting people know that you are indeed the voice of the Shockers calling basketball, baseball, football games on radio and television since the mid-1970s. And here we are, 2020. And you have more energy than the Energizer Bunny. How
1: do you do it? I guess I've just been fortunate. My health has stayed good. Um. So that's the big thing, I think. And uh, I come from a long line of uh, long livers on my mother's side of the family. So uh, I guess that all plays into it. Plus, you know, I, I think part of it too is what I do. I love what I do. Uh, I'm energized by being around young people, college-age people. I think that certainly has something to do with it. And so uh, that all it all plays into it.
0: And the one thing is I'm looking at some of my, my notes here. It says, you begin your announcing career as a Wichita State student calling games on University Station KMUW. And the thing is, I don't know if I remember, Parse you doing the games on KMUW, but I remember I would be tuning back and forth between KMUW and the station you was on because at least we could call you. We couldn't call KMUW. So I was like, it between two opinions, because I'm thinking games sound better on FM, but it was something about you that drew me to you.
1: Well, I appreciate that. When I started out on the, on KMUW, it was just almost sort of a, you know, just a shot in the dark, almost accidental kind of thing, where I had, um, you know, I I'd thought about broadcasting for a long time, but I didn't know how difficult it was for me to get into something like that, and I had almost—I was getting close to completing a degree in vocal music at Wichita State—and uh, just decided to go over and take a class and see what it was all about. And I was hooked immediately. And uh, a year and a half that I was involved with KNW. There were several of us, several guys who were interested in sports broadcasting, and so we kind of traded off. Somebody do play-by-play, somebody else would do color, somebody do stats, somebody run the equipment. So. Uh, we all kind of shared in that, so I did quite a few games, but I wasn't necessarily the, you know, the play-by-play guy on every
0: one of them. Okay, so the one thing I want to talk about first is football, because you, you did that, you did it well, and you had you had the opportunity to meet some interesting people. Uh, you know, everybody wants to credit the plane crash to the demise of the Wichita State football program, but you have to go. A little bit farther than that to understand the demise, because we had at least a flash under Coach Jeffries. So I'm going to stop right there. What are your memories of Coach Jeffries, besides the fact that he is still in the record books at well, Wichita State, for that matter, is in the record books is hiring the first African-American coach in NCAA Division One. So what are your memories of Coach Jefferson, Jeffers, Jeffries? Jeffries.
1: Love Coach Jeffries. Uh, I've had, fortunately, the opportunity to see him a few times more recently when he's come back to Wichita for reunions and things. Um, he was a fun guy to be around, great sense of humor. Uh, he really cared about his players. It's it's amazing uh, when you go to those reunions and things how much he is just absolutely loved. Uh, his former players. And so, uh, you know, that's my strongest memory of him. Certainly, he had some success. Uh, They ran the option. Uh, It was a fun brand of football to watch. And he came up with a real find in Prince McJunkins, who I think could have played at Oklahoma and a lot of places out of Tulsa, but he was small. And uh, some of the bigger schools shied away from him because of that. But just absolutely tremendous running the option and was exciting to watch. And so that was a, you know, that was a special time for me during Shocker football to, to have some of those exciting moments. They beat KU and Lawrence in 82. It was kind of a, a highlight of that whole thing. So uh, just but, but especially my memories of Coach Jeffries as a person who's strong for me. He,
0: he had a quote, and I don't know if you can remember it, but they went on the road to play a game against Wyoming and i
1: was there he yeah. was talking
0: about how cold it was and i had seen that quote and it slipped my memory what he said but maybe you can remind us of what he said about it it was a quote for the ages he said it was about it was so cold something in reference to said even the devil had word cold or something like that <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know i don't remember the specific quote because he had you know he had so many that was one of the things that was so much fun about him all the expressions and things that he had uh that that particular game was the first time that Wyoming had played a November home game in several years just because it was so typical they get snow. Started out as a as a pretty nice day. It was cold, but it was clear. The sun was even out a little bit. Uh they'd had some snow during the week, but they kind of you know, they'd moved it off the field. It was kind of around the edges. And then I can't remember exactly when, sometime in the second half, it started snowing and it was like horizontal snow coming in. The wind blew on again and it was nuts. And, wind. And, and Laramie is in kind of a, a flat plain between a couple of mountain ranges. And we had to drive from there back over the mountains back to Cheyenne that we had flown into. And then the way the wind was blowing, they, uh, they had to dump some fuel from the plane in order to have it at the proper weight to take off in that wind. So we had to stop at Denver and take on more fuel on the way back. So it was a it was a marathon trip coming off.
0: Okay. So as I'm scrolling through, I'm just looking at things here to hit up on. You actually joined the Shocker broadcast team on radio and television in 1976 while at K T V TV slash radio some of the yes some of the memorable moments
1: well yeah. it it started i uh, had I'm, I'm from here i graduated from wichita state as you mentioned uh, my first jobs were in chanood and pittsburgh kansas and i was looking to get into doing minor league baseball and it just happened that the first opportunity to do that was back here in wichita in 1976 Doing the Wichita Air hose. and I went to work for them in January of that year. I you know, I worked in the office selling advertising and tickets and things and then, uh, did the play by play and take radio and TV had acquired the contract to do Wichita State. Uh, KFH had had it for years, but Wichita State was wanting more of a regular commitment, uh, to have games televised. And so, uh, Kate got the contract and therefore needed somebody to. Bill Land was the sports director. He was going to mm-hmm. be the main guy doing radio, but then they also needed somebody that could do play by play when they televised. And so that's, they came to me, asked me if I'd be interested in coming to work for them, doing weekend TV, anchoring the sports on the weekends, uh, doing some reporting and stuff during the week, and doing play by play on radio when they televised. So that's how it all kind of started. And uh, and eventually, after, four years later, that led to uh, when there was a changeover in ownership of the stations, I was asked to become the full-time play-by-play broadcaster going into 1980-81. That's how I became the quote-unquote Voice of the Shockers full-time. But, but during those years, uh, right after I started there, uh, it was interesting getting to do, you know, TV. For, for, I'd never done any TV. They hired me without any TV experience at all. And uh, I worked with some really great people there. The, I've told people the atmosphere at, at Cape Radio and TV was amazing back in those years. And a lot of that uh, goes to Martin Yamansky, who was the general manager, who was a genius in the television industry, but also not the easiest guy to look for. And uh, his his philosophy, uh, everybody called it cake tech because his philosophy was to hire, you know, sharp young people, not pay them very much uh, because they were just getting started. And then, you know, eventually they would move on to bigger markets and for better pay. And he kept cycling people through like that, but, but hiring really sharp young people, uh And it it made it a really fun atmosphere to work in. I worked with a lot of creative, bright people, and a few, you know, stayed long-term, like Barry Hatterberg, who is to this day, the most amazing. for people, yeah. (laughs) And so you you worked with a lot of people, you know, you worked with photographers, you'd go out on a story, and and just, you could get creative and come up with good ideas, and so that that part of my experience was... uh, was really valuable to me. Uh, and if you don't, if we've got time, I'll give you an example of a part. Okay. But how it, it made all of us better. I was doing, I was anchoring the the five thirty and ten o'clock one night, and Newman University had finally beaten Marymount in Salina to to win the District Ten NAIA title, and they were going to the NAIA national tournament. They mm-hmm. had dominated for years in the state, and. Uh, Dave Skinner was the coach at Newman. I went over and did an interview with him. And then, uh, as I was preparing for the 530, pulled up some, you know, we had file tape on some of the Newman's games and I, I looked for a game. And I the file tape, they had lots and lots of events on there and it was all labeled and you'd go in and run through the tape till you found what you were looking for. And I started into it, saw that's what it was, but he wound to the, the leader leading up to it and, you know, put it into my script So I get up there on air, and they start the, it's called B-roll, the game footage over the interview with Dave, and it breaks up in the middle of it. And they had to dump out of it. So I went down after the newscast to find out what happened. Well, when they had laid the file tape, they had started to put that on there, and the tape had a bad place and broke up, so they had relayed it. Well, not having watched all of it, I didn't know that that was the case. So I'm starting out the building on my way home to dinner, and there's Mark waiting for me at the lobby. And he goes, what happened there? And I explained it to him, and he said, how long would it have taken you to watch the whole piece of footage? Maybe another 30 <laughs> seconds? <laughs> and, and you know, it was absolutely right. And those kinds of standards made all of us better. You know? right. it made all of us think about those things. And so I, I always tell people that was that. You know, I, I've always tended to be that kind of person anyway, but there was no there was no taking shortcuts at cake. When uh, you work for Martinski, you learn to always check out every little detail.
0: Right. So I'm looking through here, and this is you're highly regarded for your descriptive, no-nonsense, play-by-play account. Famous for Greg Brummett's final pitch in the shockers victory over Texas in the nineteen eighty-nine College World Series and of uh, mike Jones' game-winning basket over kansas in the 1981 battle of new orleans and let me also add also on the call when wichita state beat ku in lawrence 13 to 10 in 1982 memorable yep. moments
1: that was, that was all at the start you know those were all early on and uh those are still great memories. Uh, you know, I would throw in there the, the victory over Iowa uh, in the NCAA tournament here in 81, and then mm-hmm. right after that, the victory over KU in New Orleans. I mean, those were tremendously exciting games. And then, you know, there was a period there where other than baseball, there wasn't you know an awful lot of exciting moments. Basketball went through a real tough stretch for like 13 years. And yeah. I've been blessed to have some great moments again more recently started doing volleyball in 2005 and that's been a a really fun experience and uh certainly the the resurgence of basketball you know the trip to the final four the undefeated team almost to the end of the following year so uh, i've been fortunate to have a a lot of it
0: and you know speaking of basketball and i know we got a cloud hanging over our head with the Greg Marshall situation, but what I want to do is rewind back, and let me get your thoughts on this. Gene Smithson was let go after a 14-14 season. However, he had a darn good recruiting class coming in. Eddie Fogler was the one who coached Gene Smithson's recruiting class. So let's erase that and play hypotheticalism for a moment. Had Gene Smithson got to coach his recruiting class, where would those teams have been? Because you had the Prelo Twins, you had Grayer, you had they brought in several other. I think Joe Griffin came in with that group of players as well, too. Describe what that team, how that team could have flourished under Gene Smithson as a coach to as opposed to Eddie Fogler. And mind you, during that same time, Tulsa brought in J.D. Barnett to replace Nolan Richardson. So the styles were different in contrast compared to what we were used to.
1: Well, you put me on the spot here. Uh, So I have to tell you, um, first of all, that class that you're talking about uh, played as freshmen under Coach Smithson first before Coach Fogler Inherited them. Joe Griffin actually came in in Coach Fogler's first year.
0: Okay. Thank you for the question.
1: And, and uh, the last year under Coach Smith, and, I mean, Steve Grayer was playing out of position. Uh, there were guys like Henry Carr and Gary Cundiff that were on that team that he was basically going to run off, didn't think to play, wasn't going to keep around. That Coach Fogler got a lot of mileage out of the next year. And uh, and had a lot of success with. So um, my my feeling is, and the other thing that was happening was, you know, we we'd had recruits under Coach Smithson like Antoine Carr and Cliff Livingston and Xavier McDaniel, and because the program had gone on probation and some of those kinds of things, uh, recruiting had taken a dip. It was getting harder. For them to recruit, it was getting harder to schedule, and so, uh, and, and I had a great relationship with Coach Smith, and certainly he had some of the greatest teams and players we've ever had here. But, uh, but I also understand why the change was made, and I, I have a great deal of respect for Coach Vogler. Uh, I, you know, I think that he gets a bad rap sometimes because he didn't stay very long, and and all of that, but he also. I mean he had put together a, a recruiting group that was that had the potential to be really good. And and then Mike Cohen became the head coach mm-hmm. who had no previous head coaching experience turned out to be a you know a not really good decision and, and things kinda went downhill. But uh, uh, I think Coach Vogler did a great job with the people he had. I think having been at North Carolina oh. most of his life as a player and an assistant coach, um, you know, I, I think since we're getting philosophical here, I think that one thing I've seen over the years, something that that is kind of a a part of college athletics, is that, you know, coaches kind of get used to and kind of base their expectations on what their experience has been and what they've been part of. And Coach Fogler was at North Carolina all his life. Mark Turchin had all that experience at KU. And I think at some point for both of them, they started looking at Wichita State as what it was not compared to what their experience and and so forth was, and felt that it was time to move on. And I don't I don't blame them for that. I don't begrudge them anything for that. But uh, but certainly uh, you know it affected you know their decision to leave. And uh, and I think by contrast, when you look at Greg Marshall and what uh, and what he's been able to accomplish here, he came in from a background at places like College of Charleston and Winthrop, where he saw in Wichita State uh, tremendous potential compared to what he had been used to, and resources that were far beyond what he ever had to work with, and and you see the results. So I think all of that plays into you know when you look, you look at it, evaluate those those tendencies.
0: Okay. So now that you brought up Greg Marshall, we we know what's at hand. We know the elephant in the room. But without saying too much, because I believe this, let the process take care of itself, and then we'll deal with it afterwards. What do you see in this team moving forward? Because one thing that Greg Marshall proved to me, even with all the turmoil that they went through last year, they still found a way to get another 20-plus win season. And I think, what, that's, what, 11, 12 straight seasons, 20-plus win seasons? And there's only three other teams that can stake that claim, Kansas being one, uh, Duke being the other, and Gonzaga. So that's some pretty good company to be in, even with all the turmoil that they had. But look like he replaced the players that left, and are we looking at another 20-plus win season, even with what we're facing right now?
1: Well, first of all, I will second what you said about, uh, let's let the process play out. And I, 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 you know, I've been asked not to comment on social media and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I think that's appropriate, but I I will just say, um, I I think there's stuff that hasn't come out yet. Um, I think from everything I'm seeing, I think that this, this group that's doing this investigation and it's a, it, law firm from St. Louis that's done this type of thing before in academics, not just in athletics, but other areas of, of academics and universities. Uh, they have experience and from what I'm seeing, it's it's a fair process. They are seeking out positive as well as you know possible negative comments and experiences, which uh, I don't think was at all the focus of the article that started all this. I don't think that there was much search for positive reinforcement there. So I think when it all comes out, I guess some people wouldn't be surprised a little bit by, by some of the findings, but uh, obviously it's a difficult thing for everybody to go through and, and waiting to find out what's going to happen. I, I believe that as far as this team is concerned, it, it's talented. It is probably the most athletic team that he has ever coached here. Uh, and I think it's a group of players that he is enjoying coaching. And that hasn't always been the case in the last couple of years. I, I think that um, i I told people this quote before. I don't know how much I've done it publicly, but one of my favorite quotes that I've ever seen is Bo Schimbeckler, the great Michigan coach, said one time, you lose a player in recruiting and he may come back to, to beat you once or even twice in a season but you recruit the wrong person who doesn't fit your culture and he will beat you every single day
0: wow and
1: and i think particularly with somebody like coach marshall who is not the easiest guy in the world to play for and his and you know that's that's said to potential recruits from the beginning and and that doesn't again that doesn't mean that he is uh some of the things he's been accused of necessarily or that he you know that he right. mistreats his players, but just that he's a he's a tough guy, he'll get on you, that kind of thing. Uh, but so you you know, I think this is a group of players who fit that culture who came here with the understanding that they would be tested and that there would be demands and and I think they're you know I think they're embracing it. And so far it seems like the, the camaraderie and the chemistry and all of that is there. And so the, the big thing is it's just, you know, it's a lot of new people again, and it uh, takes a little while for things to click in. But I think uh, getting Alterique Gilbert to transfer from UConn, uh, having a experienced Division one point guard is a big gap and he can, you know, he can kind of be the focal point to, to help him make it happen. Tyson Etienne is only a sophomore, mm. but I think he has all of the characteristics that, that uh, will make him a great leader on this team. Mm-hmm. Dexter Dennis has been through it for a couple of years. I think Trey Wade is a guy that, that fits the equation very well. And so I, I think they have a really good basis uh, to start with. And I think there's talent and athleticism. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of uh, bringing it all together. And given what's happened with the schedule, because of the pandemic, it's a tough, big-time schedule all the way through. There are no... Uh, there are no low division one opponents on the schedule early or exhibition games to have a chance to, to play their way into it. They start right off the bat with Dayton and then either Utah or Creighton and, and the tournament and Sioux Falls. And so it's going to be really, really tough competition right from the beginning and all the way through.
0: Well, Mr. Kennedy, I want to say I thank you for joining me today on my show. And we will have to do this again soon. Hopefully we can do this throughout the season. I know it's when it gets busy for you, but I am so elated. Matter of fact, I'm going to share this. I don't know who was the most excited to be on the show, me having you or you being on here because I sent you a text saying are you ready? And your response was you bet and I could just see the excitement in you. So I'm like, who's the most excited, me or you? So we'll let the listeners flip a coin, but I want to say thank you for joining me on this show and we will do this again whenever you Feel like you want to come on just let me know you can come on anytime you have an open invitation
1: well i'm, I'm more than happy to do so i'm hoping that soon we have a, a little more exact idea of, of what's going to happen in the immediate future i think that would be good for all of us to get to that point and and know where we're going so uh, uh, but i would certainly look forward to coming back anytime
0: all right thank you once again mike candy joining me on the a train sports talk podcast and we will get you back on again soon thanks once again ladies and gentlemen that was mike kennedy joining me the voice of the shockers i mean just just, let's just look at his credentials once again i mean he was highly regarded for his non-descriptive and no-nonsense play-by-play accounts Famous for his call of Greg Brummett's final pitch in the Shocker's victory over Texas in the 1989 College World Series and of Mike Jones' game-winning basket over Kansas in the 1981 Battle of New Orleans, a historian of Shocker athletics, his research has been used frequently to update records of Shocker teams and former athletes, began his announcing career as Wichita State student calling games on University Station KMUW. Joined the Shocker broadcast team on radio and television in 1976 while at KTV and Radio. Took over the full-time play-by-play chores at KAKZ Radio in 1980. Broadcasting highlights once again include the 1989 College World Series Championship, 1981 NCAA Midwest Regional Basketball victories over Iowa and Kansas, and the 13-10 football victory over Kansas in 1982. Also honored six times by his peers as Kansas Sportscaster of the Year inducted in 1995. So, right here, what I am going to do, I'm going to take a break and put in a word from my sponsor, and I will come back with some more. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, your conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Once again, thank my guest, Mike Kennedy, for being on my show. And now here's the part where I will get you caught up on the happenings from last night, which would be the start of the High school football playoffs kicked off well actually some of them the score games kicked off on Thursday so let us bring you up to speed on that okay uh, Olathe North High School being the number one seed had a bye week and basically, they would take on the winner of Olathe North and Shawnee Mission West. And Olathe, I mean, Olathe Northwest, excuse me. Olathe Northwest won that game Thursday night over Shawnee Mission West by a score of 42 to 0. You had Blue Valley Northwest 4-1 going up against 1-5, Shiny Mission East. A 13 seed. And Blue Valley Northwest wins that game 42-14. So they will move on to their regional game going up against Blue Valley which knocked off Blue Valley West by a score of 38 to 7 also the number two and this is in the on the east bracket I do believe You had Shawnee Mission Northwest they had a buy and They will take on the winner of Olathe the west versus Olathe the south and Olathe West gets by Olathe Olathe South Olathe West gets by Olathe South by a final score of twenty-two to eleven. So that will have Shawnee Mission Northwest in their regional game going up against Olathe West High School. Then we have Blue Valley North, the number six team in that East bracket, going to against Shiny Mission North <coughs> North High School, the number eleven team in that bracket. <coughs> in that bracket, and Blue Valley North comes out with the victory, forty-seven to thirteen. So they will go on to face Blue Olathe East. Now we look at West bracket. And I see this but I don't believe it. Believe that Lawrence won. is just the fact that the team they played actually scored. As the number one in the West takes on the number 16 in the West. Lawrence High against Wichita North High and Lawrence comes away with the victory of 66-6. The next game we see here is the number 8, Topeka High School, against Dodge City. And Dodge City comes away with a 39-0 victory, so they will be playing against Lawrence in their next round game. The number 4, in the West against number 13, pitted Derby against Southeast. And Derby pitches the shutout by the score of 62-0. Derby now has a five-and-two record. And they will be going up against Gardner Edgerton, also now five-and-two, who knocked off Wichita South by a score of thirty-seven to thirteen. Number two team in the West, Junction City. Gets by Lawrence Free State. <clears throat> by a final score of 42 to 21. Ending Lawrence Free State's record at 0-6 for the season. Junction City now 7-1, and they will be taking on Washburn Rural. Who knocked off number seven seed Wichita West High by a score of 21 to three? So, Topeka Washburn rule improves their record now to four and five will take on Junction City. And a team that hasn't <clears throat> won a playoff game since 1983, Wichita East High School knocks off. Hayesville by a score of 46 to 6 to improve to 6 and 1 on the season. And they will be taking on the winner of Manhattan versus Garden City. Garden City comes away with the victory by a score of 21 to 20 and improves their record to 6 and 3. So it will be Wichita East against Manhattan. And Wichita East has been. The higher seed will be the designated home team, so we will keep your abreast as to where that game will be played. So that is the 6A. And now we're going to take a look at 5A. As we pull that bracket up, five A. Topeka Seaman had a bye, which means they will take on the winner between Emporia, who is number eight, against number nine, Blue Valley Southwest. Blue Valley Southwest comes out with the victory, 36 to 14. They will be taking on the number one seed, Topeka Seaman, who stands at eight and one in next week's regional. Number four, Saint Thomas Aquinas, also had a buy, which means they would be playing the winner of. well They would be playing Pittsburgh, who's the number five seed, who also had a buy. And you have to keep in mind some of this stuff is probably some COVID-related. I'm not sure. I'm not getting any information on those. It was a buy, so. Pittsburgh High will be traveling to St. Thomas Aquinas next week to take on St. Thomas Aquinas. Also, DeSoto, the number two ranked in, on the east side bracket here in 5A, they had a bye. But they're actually playing against the winner between Leavenworth and Topeka West. And Topeka and Leavenworth win that game run away by a final score of 62-15. to 15. Number three seed, Shawnee Mill Valley High School. They had a bye. But they will be taking on the winner of Spring Hill versus Tecumseh, Shawnee Heights. And Spring Hill wins that game by a score of 34-6. So next week it will be Shawnee Mill Valley High School versus Spring Hill. Northwest, Wichita Northwest, number one seed in the West, against number 16, Salina Central. Northwest Rose, 68-12, which will set them up next week against the winner of Wichita Heights versus Andover in a more competitive game. The 4-2 and two Heights Falcons knocks off the 5-3 and Andover Trojans. By a score of 28-22, so Heights improved to 5-2, setting up a City League matchup between unbeaten Wichita Northwest and Wichita Heights. Cape and Mount Carmel, with a turnaround under Western Shorts, took on Salina South. Caping is the fourth ranked team, the fourth seed team in the West, going up against 13th. Salina South wins that game, going away, pitching the shutout 74 to 0. So Heights improves to 71. They take on the winner of the battle for 54 between Gardner High School and Gardner Eisenhower. And Gardner comes away with. 28 to 26 victory to improve to 7-2. So that should be a very competitive game next week between Garter and Cape Mount Carmel. Hutch played Newton last night and that game was a high scoring affair and Newton laid it out on the field but they just came up a little bit short as Hutchison knocks off Newton by a score of 46 to 41. So Hutchison improves to 8-1. And who will they be playing against next week? Well, Wichita Bishop Carroll beat Valley Center. I believe this has to be by forfeit because the final score was 1-0. to zero. So, Bishop Carroll will be traveling to Hutch to take on the Hutch Salt Hawks next week. Which should be a very competitive game. Bishop Carroll has been tested. They've had a tough schedule. They have made it through. And then we get to number three in the West, Mays High School, going up against number 14 in the West, Liberal. And Mays pitches that shutout by the score of 55-0. to Set them up with the game next week between the winner of Hayes High School and Mays South. May South wins by the score of 33 to 12 over Hayes, setting up the battle for Mays. So, 8 and 1, Mays High School takes on their in town rival, Mays South, who is 5 and 3. So, there is your 5A bracket. And now, takes us up to 4A. And 4A looks like this. Number one seed in 4A on the eastern side of the bracket, Paola High School. and they were to square off against Ottawa High School, but with a score of 1-0, that looks like a forfeit. That's the only thing I can assume. So we look at the next game against the number eight seed, with the number eight seed taking on number nine, which is Lewisburg, going up against Lenexa Saint James Academy, and Lenexa Saint James comes away with the 41-19 victory setting up a game next week between the 4-4 four four, Lenex and St. James against 9-0 Paola High School in their regional. Baser Linwood, the number 4 seed, going up against number 13, Atchison. That was a no-brainer. Basler comes away with a 35-16 victory. They will be taking on 3-6 Eudora High School as Eudora Squeaks past Kansas City Piper by a score of 16 to 15. So next week will be Baser Linwood going up against Eudora. Undefeated in number two in the East, Fort Scott, against number 15, Bonner Springs. And the final in that, Fort Scott keeps their record unblemished as they come over with a 48-22 seed. 42-22 to 22 victory ending Bonner Spring season. Which takes us to the number 7 seed versus number 10 seed. Number 7, Chinook goes up against Shining Mission, Bishop Miage. And Bishop Miage comes away with the 64-17 victory, setting them up against Fort Scott next week in their regional game. The number three seed in the East, going up against the number 14 seed, Tonganoxie is 7-1, going up against Altamont, the Beck County High School. And the final score was 48-28. Noxie comes away with the victory, improving their record to 8-1. And then we have Lansing High School, number six seed in the East, going up against Coffeyville. And Lansing wins that game going away by a score of 48-6. to Setting up a matchup with Tonganoxie next week. So now we look at the West. Division, number one in the West. McPherson going up against number sixteen. Aveline, and they win that game run away by a score of 7-8-14 to, to improve their record to eight and one. Number eight seed Augusta went up against the nine seed Ulysses. And Augusta comes away with the victory fifty to eight, setting up their game next week between Dem and McPherson. That game will be at McPherson. So number four team in the West, Rose Hill, going up against Mulvane, number thirteen in the West, and Rose Hill comes away with the thirty to thirteen victory, and they will be squaring off against Bueller, who was the number five seed in the West, going up against Tawanda Circle, and they come over with a forty-seven zero victory. So it'll be Rose Hill against Bueller next week. It should be an interesting game. The game will be at Rose Hill. So. Number 2 in the West. Andover Central. Squared off against number 15. Great Bend. And. Andover Central runs away with that game. By a final score of 49-7. So they will advance. Improving their record to 71. They will take on. Are Kansas City, who knocked off Wellington by a score of 27-6. Number three in the West. El Dorado went up against number 14, Winfield. Comes away with a 46-14 victory. And they will be taking on Wemago. The number six team in the West, up who went up against Independence and came over to 49 to 21 victory. So, next week you'll be seeing Wamego High School versus El Dorado, and these will all be regional games. So, what I'm gonna do right here is I'm going to take a break, put in the word for my sponsor. When I come back, I will give you the rest of the Rundown on the high school scores in the playoffs. So stay tuned. A Training Sports Talk podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. And we welcome you back as we continue with our high school recap. The state playoffs. We have gotten you up to speed on the 6A, 5A, and 4A. So now we are going to take a look at the 3A bracket and what you can expect. So looking at the matchups it looks like Columbus squared off against Gerard and I guess this would be yes Columbus which went into the game undefeated at 8-0 Takes on Gerard who's at 3-5, but Gerard comes away with the victory. That would most definitely have to be considered an upset. As Gerard wins the game 28 29 to 18, which will put them up against Prairie View High School, who knocked off Caney Valley by a score of 44 to 16. So Prairie View, Ashley Lasinga Prairie View High School improves their record to 7-1 and will be going up against the Giant Killers in Girard High School. Also we had Topeka Hayden going up against Sabatha High School and Topeka improves their record to 8-1 now with their 42-6 to victory. They will be taking on Perry LeCompton, who's also improved to 8-1, as they knocked off St. George Rock Creek by score of 35-22. to 22. So, we'll see Perry LeCompton going against the peak of Hayden in their regional game. Burling game. Cruz has passed Parsons High School by a score of 56-22 to, to improve to 8-1 and one in advance in the playoffs. And they will be going to against a 5-14 in Frontenac who knocked off Galena High School by a score of 25-7. And then we are still waiting to see who Holton, who improved to 7-1 after knocking off Santa Fe Trails by a score of 62-25. They will be taking on the winner of Baldwin versus Meriden Jefferson West, and that game will be played today at 2.30. If we get on down through here, Raleigh County And I guess these are these are pretty much going by districts as opposed to East Side and West Side. Who is number one in District Five? Well, it says D Five slash Number One went up against D Six Number Four. So I'm just going to give you the scores. I'm not going to figure out all those other acronyms. Uh, Raleigh County improved to seven-one after knocking off Lindsburg Smoky Valley by a score of 55-16. They will be taking on Scott Community High School who improved to 6-3 after their 24-14 victory over Concordia High School. And Dale High School improved to 8-0 after knocking off Larnert 74-7. And they will be taking on Clearwater who improved to 7-2 as they knocked off Holcomb 31 15. Jison Southeast of Sal- of Saline, that's Jison, G Y S U M, Southeast of Saline, improved, kept their, improved their record to 8 0 as they knocked off Clay Center Community High School by a score of 46 8. They'll be taking on Marysville, who improved to 4 4 after knocking off 6-2 Colby High School by a score of 45-21. Chaney kept their record undefeated as they squeaked past Halstead, who ends their season at 4-4 four four by a score of 40-34. to 34. Chaney will be taking on 8-1 Collegiate High School as they routed Pratt by a score of 50 to zero. So there is your 3 bra- your 3a bracket that takes us to 2a now. So Pittsburgh St. Mary's Colgan High School advances, knocking off Eureka, by a score of 51 to 7, they'll be taking on Wellsville, who came away with a 28 22 victory over Riverton High School. Rossville High School improves their record to 9 0 after a 53 6 shellacking of Watina Riverside High School, and they will be taking on. Atchison-Meyer Hill, who improved their record to 8-0, so it's going to be a battle of undefeated as Atchison-Meyer Hill knocks off Eskridge Mission Valley High School, ending their season at 5-3 by a score of 56-32. Osage City High School improved their record to 8-1 after their Thursday night victory over Neodashay by a score of 47-7. They will be taking on five and three, Fredonia. As Fredonia, also on Thursday night, came out with a forty-seven to twenty victory over Pomona West Franklin High School in the season at three and five. nemaha Central improved to six and one, and they have advanced after knocking off Eastern Pleasant Ridge by a score of fifty to six. And they will be taking on a Silver Lake High School whose record improved to 6-1 and after beating Belleville Republic County by a score of 63-6. to Hutchinson Trinity Catholic High School improved their record to 8-1 after knocking off Chaparral by a score of 35-0. Can you just imagine that? both the Hutch schools advancing to the state playoffs and both of them bringing back trophies that could very well possibly happen they will be taking on Haven High School which is pretty much up the road from Hutch who improved to seven and two after they knocked off Kingman by a score of 42 to 21 keep in mind 44 years but they finally got it done so Congratulations to Haven. After a long drought. Beloit. Surprising people. Two and six record. Takes on Thomas Moore. Prep Marion. And thrashes them on their home field. 55 to 14. Ending their season at 7 and 1. They will take on the 5 and 4 Phillipsburg High School, who knocked off Lakin High School by a score of 49 to 26. Garden Plain improved their record to 8 and 1 and advanced to the regional as they played a Thursday night game and knocked off Marion High School by a score of 52 to 6. They will be taking on 6 and 3 Hillsboro High School. Who knocked off Bell Plain 47-12. Oysington kept their undefeated record intact. As they sit now at 9-0 after knocking off Ellis High School 47-0. And they will be taking on a 6-3 Cimarron team. Who beat Minneapolis High School by a final score of 28-6. So that concludes... 2A and that leaves us with 1A. And now we look at their bracket. Opie at 8-0 had a bye. So they will be playing the winner of Jackson Heights and Richmond Central Heights. And Jackson Heights advances to the regional which will be played Friday, November the 6th as yeah, they knocked off Richmond 26-0. Armour Northeast High School, 1-5. And, and this has to be considered the upset, one of the biggest upsets. Actually, it looked like it was a forfeiture. Cost the farm score is 1-0. So Valley Heights High School season ends at 7-1 with the forfeited loss. They Armor Northeast will be taking on a five and four Uniontown High School team as Uniontown knocked off Troy High School 51 to 14 to advance to the regional. Centralia High School. Their record is eight and one. They had a bye. And they will take on Wabanazi who knocked off Pleasanton High School by a score of sixty-two to eighteen, Lions improved their record to seven and two after knocking off Horton High fifty-seven to six. So that would be jefferson county north against linden high school both teams coming in at seven and two wait a minute, let me make sure i'm looking at this right yes. linden high school knocks off horton high school by a score 57-6 improving to seven and two as they will now score off against Jefferson County North, who also improved to 72 after Jefferson County North knocked off Allen Northern Heights High School 72-0. Smith Center improved to 8-1. They had a bye. They will take on the winner between Elkhart and Brookville El Saline. And Brookville El Saline comes away with a 50-20 victory. Improving their record to four and five so in their regional they will be taking on Smith Center Sedgwick Improved to eight and one as they knocked off Ellenwood By a score of 54-0 Cedric will be playing against Oakley who improved to 72 as Oakley knocked off the Wichita Independent School by a score of 50-3. Um, West Spring has a, had a bye, so their record is 8-1. They will be taking on Plainville, who improved to 5-4 after they knocked off Sublette by a score of 58-0, ending Sublette's season at 1-4. Inman High School improved to 7-2. After their 61-0 route of Johnson-Stanton High School, and they will be taking on Whitewater-Remington High School, who improved their record to 4-5 after knocking off a 2-6 Salina-Sacred-Heart High School by a score of 56-16. to 16. So that right there is the wrap on 1A. So now what we're going to do is, this might get a little bit on the tricky side, but we're going to do it anyway. We are going to look at 8-Man, Division 1, and Sudan High School. Advances and keeps their record undefeated as they knocked off Oxford by a score of 58 to 6. They'll be taking on Chase County 7 and 2, who knocked off Dexter Cedarville by a score of 66 to 0. Clifton Clyde advances to the regional with a 7 and 1 record by knocking off Bennington by a score of 46 to 0. They will be taking on Little River High School who knocked off Washington County, 56-0. Madison Madison High School, Hamilton High School improved to 9-0 as they knocked off Howard West Elk, 59-6. They will be taking on 8-1 Oswego. Who knocked off Burton Central 54 to 8. Canton Galva improved to 9 and 0, advancing to their regional by beating Valley Falls 46 to 0. They will be squaring off against Burlingame, Game, who improved to 7 and 2 in a more, if you want to call it, closely contested game, knocking off Lincoln 46 44 to 26. Atchison Argonia improves to eight and one and advances to their regional after smacking Maxville forty eight to zero. They will go up against lacrosse who improved to five and three after knocking off Mount Ridge in what looked like a basketball score sixty to forty and Loote Wichita County improved to 9-0, knocking off Hill City 68-22. They were take on Atwood Rollins County, who knocked off Ness City in what would be considered a low-scoring affair, 22-12. Pratt Skyline improved to 8-1, as they knocked off Pretty Prairie by a score of 52-6. And they would be going up against Gossel, 4-3, who knocked off Kinsley, by a score of sixty to fourteen, and Hoxie, who improved to seven and one, by knocking off Spearville forty-two to thirty, will go up against Montezuma South Grey, who improved to eight and one after their fifty to zero demolishing of Overland Decatur Community. So that's eight-man Division One. And we will put the wraps on this. Welp. try to wrap this up. go got to bring up the 8 man division 2 there we go so here's what the 8 man division 2 is going to look like Colony Crest will advance as they knocked off Wakefield 50-26. They'll be taking on Hartford, who knocked off St. Paul, 62-12. to 12. Hanover advances after knocking off Osborne, 56-6. They would be taking on Axtail, who advanced after squeaking by Thunder Ridge, forty two to forty. Lebo Wallop Chitopa fifty eight zero to be taken on the Waverly team that gets by Moreas Desingas Valley sixty six to thirty two. Beloit Saint John's Tip, tipton advances by knocking off Onega Fifty to fourteen, they will be taking on Frankfurt, who cruises past Lakeside Downs by a score of sixty to fourteen. Victoria advances by knocking off Norwich fifty-four to sixteen. It will be taking on Sylvan Lucas United, who knocked off South Barber seventy-four to twenty-four. South Central advances, getting by Quint, Quinter, 34-14. They will be taking on Wheatland Grinnell, who gets by Mineola, 56-20. Aldwell advances, knocking off Wilson, 68-20. They will be going up against Central Plains, who blink Peabody Burns, 50-0. You have St. Francis. Blanking Ingles 54 to 0. And they will be taking on Buckland, who took on Triplanes Brewster in what was a one-sided basketball score-by-score score of 74 to 48. So there you have your wrap on the high school state playoff looks. And next week, guess what? We'll be back to do it again. I mean, I'll be back before next. Saturday, but what I'm saying is I'll be back to give you these recaps once again as the field will most definitely dwindle down because next week are regional games. So is win in advance, lose, go home. So once again on today's show, I want to thank the legendary Mike Kennedy for joining me. I was elated and thrilled to have him on. Uh, next week, I hope to get somebody else on. I'm going to reach out. So, next week, it may be a show where i have multiple interviews. You never know in this business. But, once again, very grateful that Mike Kennedy is the humble man that he is and took the time out to join me today. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Until the next time, this is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast.
1: Hope you enjoyed the ride.